Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. So I'm doing the second part of our Beat series and, you know, the Bible commissions every Christian to make disciples of all nations. It's not just meant for the staff. The Bible is commissioning every single person that is a follower of Christ to make disciples. And, you know, our global mandate, what um, every nation around the world, what we really stand for is we exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministries. So wherever you go around the world, if you go to an Every Nation church, this is what we stand for, and this is what we stand for here at Southside. If you can't remember the mission statement, it's simple. Just honor God and make disciples. Turn to someone and say, we're here to honor God and make disciples. Yes. And the reason why this particular series is called The Beat is because today I really pray that you will catch the heartbeat of God. I really pray that you're going to hear what the Spirit wants to say to you. I hope that today is not just going to be another normal Sunday that you come in, you clock in, and then you leave. But I pray that God is going to really touch your heart today and change your life just the way this message has changed mine. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you speak clearly through your word. I thank you, God, for every person sitting in here, and I pray for a word for every single person that's sitting right from the back in the last seat all the way through to the front row. I pray that you will give us a word that will speak personally to their heart. I ask you, God, for a rhema word so that your spirit will speak particularly about what is most valuable and most important to you. God, I pray that every single person here, their heart will be open right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come down, speak through me. Let every word that comes out of my mouth not be from me, but be from you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right. You know, over the course of my life, I would um, like to say that I have had defining moments. And what I mean by that is I'm just going about my day, doing my own thing, minding my own business, and then all of a sudden I have an encounter with God. And I feel like the supernatural power and presence of God comes on me, upon me, I feel it. And it changes my direction. It changes the course of my destiny. It changes my decisions. I'm, I have a decision to go this way, and then I feel like God comes into my life, and now, no, I'm going to go this way because this is what the Spirit of the Lord wants me to do. And so back in 2005, when I first came here, I know that m many of you already know my story. I came from Fiji, came as an international student to study law at the University of Auckland. And I came here as a minister's daughter, but I was not following Christ. So I was sitting here, like very much a lot of you sitting here, but I was not a follower of Christ. I was a tender of church, but I was not a follower. They're two different things. And so I'm a minister's daughter, and I was going to church because it was an obligation. My dad's the five feet out. I have to. Until I came here in, when I was 19 in 2005, and I came to study. And Every Nation campus is on the University of Auckland. And I met a friend in my class, and she took me to a campus service. And lo and behold, Pastor Nelly, who is Rowena's brother, was preaching. And he preached a powerful message on lordship. 
and it changed my life forever. The same week on that Sunday, the same friend invited me to come to church. This is the first time I was going to walk into an Every Nation Church service. And I will never, ever forget the feeling I felt when I stepped into the auditorium. And it's funny because some of you sitting here will know we were at Otara in the Tepuke Community Hall. Who was there at that time? Can I please have a show of hands? That's so cool. I remember, this is the first time I'm coming. I've never been to this church before. And I physically remember the moment I stepped into the hall, I felt this wave, boom. I didn't know that it was the Holy Spirit at the time. Because I'm new to this. I don't know what's going on. By the time I got there, every, the, the first songs were already going on. The worship team was on. And I remember Cicela was on the keys. Rowena was up there. Pastinelli was up there. The same pastor that preached at um, the campus service earlier. He was rapping. And I was like, oh, my goodness. What kind of church is this? But I loved it. I was like, there was so much life, so much excitement, so much passion. And I had just stepped in. So my friend took me all the way. She didn't want me to miss out what God was going to do in my life. So she took me all the way to the third row. And I still remember Rowena was up there. And I definitely remember Ulu was there because he had hair at that time. <laughs> Love you, bro. I still remember. And they were jamming on the keys and they were going hardcore. And I just sat there amazed. But remember, I could feel this wave hit me. The worship team finished, and then the pastor got up. I didn't know who he was, but his name was Pastor Ken. And he preached the same message of lordship that Pastor Nelly preached. And I kid you not, I felt shockwaves come on me, shockwaves coming upon me. And I was like, what is this? It was the Holy Spirit coming into my life to see me that day, to tell me that I have a plan and a purpose for you, Fee. You need to follow me. You have not been following me before because the message that... Pastor Ken preached, which is the same message that Pastor Nelly preached, was in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? I'm just going to let that sink in. And here I am, Fife Al's daughter, coming to church every Sunday, just like you and me, coming to church, but not obeying God. And so that day, it was a defining moment for me. I knew I had to surrender my heart to God. I had to give my life to him. And on that during that time, around that first year, I would get um, prophetic words. And different people would say things to me. And it would encourage me. And I knew, God, you are real. This is a God that, has, that is not just up there, but wants to come down and have a relationship with his people. Amen? It is not a sun. We don't want to be a Sunday church that just comes in, clocks in, go back out, and your life is not changed. People look at you outside of here, you're still the same. People look at you outside of here, your, your life doesn't bear the image of God. So when I had come, it was a defining moment for me. I had an encounter with this most high God, and I knew I could not be the same. I could have been hiding before, but I could not hide anymore. God had come to see me that day. And so I wanted to share with you that from that time, I was so hungry for God. I wanted more of him. So what did I do? I was told by one of the pastors there, he said, you need to get into a discipleship group. I said, what's that? Well, I'm glad you asked too, because it's very important. <laughs> so he, they told me, look, we're going to follow you up. We're going to just get, invite you to come to one of our Bible studies with a small group of girls. And we're going to teach you the fundamental truths and the foundational truths of how you can follow God. So I said, okay, cool. But I was so excited I wanted to be there. So every week, right from when I was 19, that whole year, even second year, I was meeting up with a small group of girls. 
And one of them was Uncle and Auntie's daughter, Auntie Lily, and Uncle Tofinger's daughter, Lily, and she's my best friend still today. And we met at the University of Auckland. We were in the same small discipleship group learning about Christ. Joseva was also on campus at that day. We were studying around the same time. And so I'm just saying, like, we were all in discipleship groups learning about this Jesus. And you know what? I didn't want to miss it. I would be there on time. I was hungry. I wanted to know because I didn't want to miss it because I knew God is going to say something to me at that group. And I'm not going to miss it. I'm going to be there because it helped change my life. And so the reason why I'm sharing that with you today is I'm praying that this is going to be a defining moment for most of you, especially where God is taking us in this season as a Southside church to make disciples here out, here out itself. Amen? All right. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> All right. So what is our mission? What is the mission? What is God calling us to do? What is God assigning you to do? What is our mission? You see, the church is not a building, it is the people. It is the people of God that he has chosen to fulfill, to fulfill his plan here on earth to bring others into his kingdom. Amen? So the mission really is Matthew 28, 18 and 20, and I know we've heard it so many times, but I pray that today it's going to be fresh for you for us to go and make disciples. That is what God has commissioned us to do. Last week, Pastor Taulu, he mentioned two Greek words. He mentioned egbalo, which means people were driven out in a violent manner so that the gospel could be preached. And he also mentioned apostello. People were sent out on a particular mission to spread the gospel with honor and authority. Now, here's the thing. I find it so amazing that this God has chosen us to be partakers of his great commission. He's not just a God that's up there. He has come down and he's asking us, will you do this with me to win others into his kingdom? And I, I, as soon as I got that revelation, I said, God, I want to be used by you. I don't want to just go about my Christianity and have nothing changed in my life. I want to make an impact and I want your plan for me and I want to help bring others into your kingdom too. And that is what God wants for us today. He has called us to reconcile others to himself. You play a major part in other people's lives and you need to understand that nations are waiting for your obedience. People are waiting for you to say something to them. Amen? Uh, we had a prayer meeting during the fasting and prayer time, and I'm so grateful because some of our, you know, leaders here, they were praying for Leonard and myself. And one thing they said in the prayer, which stood out to me, is they said, what would happen if Leo and Fee weren't on the campus? What would happen to all those young people? And I look across the room, and I know that we have campus students sitting in here because God wanted to touch their hearts, and if we weren't obedient they wouldn't have come into relationship with God. And that's the same thing with you. I know most of you are here today because somebody else shared the gospel with you, but it can't stop here. We have to continue doing it. It is God's heart. It is God's passion to see people reconciled back to him. Amen? And here's the thing. You know, in Second Chronicles, it says, the eyes of the Lord search through the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are committed to him. God is looking on the earth. Who can I use? 
Who is going to go for me? And when he searches, I pray that you put up your hand and say, God, you can use me at work. God, you can use me at, at home with my family. God, I pray that you will use me. Because God is looking, and he is respecter of no man. He will use anyone that will be available to him. Amen? So please, church, catch what I'm saying today. I don't want you to come to me after the service and say, oh, that was a nice word. Take this word and put it into action. That is my prayer. It's not enough to be convicted. You can be convicted and still stay here. But we take conviction and apply it, and we're going to see God grow this church. Amen? Amen. God is calling you to be an ambassador for the gospel. When you're sitting in the food court and all of a sudden you see somebody with an ANZ uniform, you know that they are an ambassador for ANZ. They represent that bank. God is calling us to be ambassadors for the gospel. When people see us, they should see Christ in us. Yes, we're imperfect. We make mistakes, but they, we should be bearing the image of God through our lifestyle. Amen. Thank you, Pepper. Love my sisters, love my flat so much. So God is looking for people here on the earth that he can use. And his spirit is calling them to his purpose. God is calling us to be his vessel that he can use to spread the gospel. All right, now here's something that I wanted to share as well. There are some reasons why people will not share, you know, their faith. A lot of the time, sorry, this clicker doesn't seem to be working. Can you click it for me, please? Thank you. A lot of the time, uh, people don't share their faith for a couple of reasons. And um, one of them is, sorry, Chris again, thank you. They don't know what to say. And this is very real. I mean, I remember when I first came to Christ and I was new in the faith. And then there were times when some of my friends would share things with me. But I honestly didn't know what to say to them. And it's very real. We don't understand. Okay, I mean, we don't know what to say. And many times, because we don't know what to say, we tend to shrink back. And we miss an opportunity for someone to hear the gospel. Many times we have the fear of man. Like, oh, I'm scared of how they might think about me. I'm scared of what they will, this might break our relationship. And so people tend to shrink back. But the truth of the matter is, is that the word really is in you. Oh, sorry, I'm trying to click. Thank you. The truth of the matter is, is the word is very near you. It is already in your heart. This is the truth, and it's written in Deuteronomy. And sometimes the thing is, we put all the pressure on ourselves to try and bring someone to Christ or to try and share our faith. But you have, don't forget that the Holy Spirit has already gone before you, and He is already working in that person's heart. You need to remember that God has positioned you, the believer, around certain people for a reason, and you are the answer to their prayer. And most of the time, we don't say anything because there's a fear of man. But you have to remember, God has already put it inside of you. It can be as simple as, man, I'm really sorry that happened to you. Can I pray for you? Something as simple as that. Hey, I heard you were talking about that, and I just wanted to invite you to church. And I love what we're going to be doing in, in the next couple of weeks and uh, where our church is going because we are all about equipping you so that you can know what to say and so that you won't miss an opportunity when it's presented to you. The other thing I love is, you know, here at Southside, we really are family. 
We are family. And you know, you love having people in your house. We do relationship really well. And so we want to encourage you, trust the Holy Spirit. The word is already in you. You got to step out in faith and say it. Because if you don't step out and say it, you will miss the opportunity. And most of the time, and you know, for me, 99% of the time, when I step out, even though I'm afraid, I see God has definitely gone before me. So don't shrink back. Our next slide, please. The other reason why people fail to share the gospel is because they fail to spend time with God. The enemy uses busyness to steal our time away from the Lord. The enemy uses the flesh to steal your time away from God. And when you don't spend time with God, you don't know who God is. When you don't spend time with God, you will not hear God's voice. When you don't spend time with God, you will not feel his heart beat for other people. You will be short with everybody. You'll be angry at everybody because you're not spending time first with the Father where he gives you his heart for others. And it hel he helps you see them the way he sees them. Amen? And the thing is, is when we don't spend time with God, we forget who he is. Next slide, please. Another one, please. Thank you. When we don't spend time with God, we forget that he is a father, that he is loving, he is holy, righteous, and just. We forget his character. We take our eyes away from who he is and what he's about, and then we have a different view of who God is, and it makes us stop in our tracks and not share the word with God, uh, the word with others. And I don't know about you, but when you spend time with God, he will fill you up and give you boldness to say something. Amen? When you don't spend time with God, you will be very dry, and you won't have any ammo to shoot the enemy. And I'm saying it because it happens to me too. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to read a verse for the day to keep the devil away. I actually want to make a difference in this person's life that I'm meeting, in to, meeting with today. I actually want to pray and ask God to give me a word so that when I'm sitting with them, I know what to say, and it's going to open the door, and then those people will be able to come into relationship with God. So we need to spend time with God. We need to kill our flesh, to be honest. We need to kill the flesh, and we need to invest quality time with him because then you will get his heartbeat. Then you will hear his voice. Then it will change your decisions. Then it will help you be more patient with people. You will see people the way he wants you to see them because you're being one with the Father, because you know him for who he is. Amen? And this is the thing. People don't spend time with God because it becomes a chore. Amen. Yes. This is, thank you, Thomas, for being honest, because the rest of you, you're liars, man. <laughs> Honestly, the flesh just wants to get in there. No, don't read your Bible. Don't pray. Sorry, you're too busy. You have to wake up in the morning. You have to do this. Rush to work. Clean the kids. All of those drama. Come back home. You're so tired. <laughs> you're so tired. Then you come back home. God, I'm going to spend time with you. Then you fall asleep. <laughs> come on, I'm being real now. Some of you are laughing because that's what you do. We're like, God, God, thank you so much for today. Yeah, yeah, I'm spending, time, I'm spending time with God at work. Yes, I'm driving to work. But tell me now, married couples, you would not like that if your husband and wife does not spend quality time with you. Amen? <laughs> Someone said, preach, sister. Amen. No, I'm being real here. You know, God desires quality time with us. Because in the secret place, that's where he changes us. It's in the secret place. It's not in the public 
it's, it's in the private moments. And he wants us to know him. He doesn't want us to know about him. He wants us to know him. Because when we know him, we know his word. His word will live inside of us. It's what will come out of us. It doesn't take long for you to recognize that an apple tree is an apple tree because it has apples. The same thing with you as a Christian. People will know, mm, your fruit's a little bit funky here. What kind of fruit are you bearing? Are you mouthing off all these vulgar things? Are you fighting with people? Are you short? Are you, patient? are you impatient? Are you reacting as soon as something happens? We are imperfect, but the more time you spend with God, it's going to slowly cut, cut off those things. Slowly tell you, hey, you know how you always hang out with your friend? Maybe it's about time that you tell that person about me. And your friend is crying to you about all the drama that they're going through. And here you are, oh, no, you should be opening your mouth and saying something and bringing them to the Lord. I'm tired of people like, oh, my gosh, they're going through this, they're going through this. Don't tell me what they're going through. Tell me what you prayed for them and how, and how they're coming. Don't, tell, don't gossip to me about what they're going through. Tell me. Oh, man, can you stand with me? Can you pray with me for this person? Because I'm believing for their heart to change. Because they're going through the same thing as you. Broken family, brokenness, hopelessness, despair, suicidal thoughts, and all of those things. And here you are just going, oh. Oh, I have to serve on Sunday. I have to go. You're, no, you're missing the point. We are not here on Sunday to sit here to just be, oh, I'm just going to sing four songs and then leave here. And you're still the same. You're missing the point. You gotta spend time with God. You gotta know Him for who He is. Because when you know Him, you'll understand who He really is. That He is not just a loving Father, but He's just, He is righteous. There are consequences for sin. There are consequences when we don't stay within God's boundaries. You only know that when you spend time with Him, when you have a relationship with Him. Amen. You know, my mother can call me from any other cell phone without her number on it. It can be an international number, but as soon as she goes, fit the law, oh, mom, I know it's her because I spend time with my mom. I know her voice. It doesn't matter where she calls me from. As soon as she says, and we all know the tone of mothers, <laughs> can be good or bad, but the moment my mom says something to me on the phone, I know it's her. I don't even have to question who is this. I go, hi, mom. It's because I have a relationship with my mom. I spend time with my mother. I know her voice. God wants the same with you. You got to spend time with him. You will know his voice. Here's the thing. God is not after religiosity. Religiosity is we come in every Sunday. We don't serve. We just come and, and we are so consumed. We have this consumer mentality. What can the church do for me? But true followers of Christ adopt how Christ is. They, he came to serve. He didn't come to be served. And then we take this message and we go out and we're like, okay, I want to pray, start praying for my friend. If you don't know where to start, you start with spending time with God. Amen? And here's the thing, which will lead me on to my next point. When we spend time with God, we will see people the way God sees them, not the way man sees them. Okay, I don't know what happened to my slide, but... Um, in Luke chapter 19, there's a story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. It's a very sh uh, short chapter, only nine verses, and I wanted to read it. If you have your Bibles, I'd like, you to, I'd like to ask you to please turn there. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, Luke chapter 19. 
It's quite short, but it's very important for what we're about to say. <coughs> what I'm about to say. Verse 19. Chapter 19, sorry, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, hmm, he has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come into your house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now here's the thing about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, a rich tax collector. And he is considered as an unlikely candidate for salvation. Because in that time, he was working for the Roman Empire. And tax collectors back then were highly disliked because they would cheat the people. So say, for example, Potoa owed the government $100. The tax collectors would come to his house and they would cheat him. They would say, you owe the government $150. So they would pocket the 50 and they would give the 100 that he owes to the government. So they were known for cheating the people. And so Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector and it says he was a rich man. And he was a rich man because this is how he acquired his riches. He was stealing from the people. And the way the system worked back then is, um, oh, next slide please. The way the system worked is the district commissioner would send Zacchaeus out and he would tell him to go and, yeah, he would tell him to go to people to get their income. And, oh, next slide, sorry, next slide. And here's the thing, Zacchaeus was in charge of the whole district that whole area that I've just uh, marked up over there. So he was a wealthy man and he was cheating a lot of people. One of the main trade routes came down from the western side of the Jordan River through to Jericho, all the way to Bethany, down to Jerusalem, and all the way back up again. It's like he had to collect pe people's money from here, Papatoi, Mangri, Manurewa, Manukau, and so he had cheated a lot of people. And people knew about that too. So here is Zacchaeus. He can't see Jesus, but he hears that Jesus is coming. He climbs a tree to get a better view. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes, and it says there that the crowds were around there. It's almost like as busy as Polyfest or Pacifica. The crowds filled the area. Because Zacchaeus is short, he climbs up on a tree to get a better view, and here Jesus sees him amongst everybody from the crowd. And he calls him down, I must come to stay at your house today. And everybody in the crowd looks and says, ooh, he's going into the house of a sinner. And you know who also looks at people like that? Is when we become religious or when we tend to stay away from God. And now we look down on people who are not walking with Jesus. Does that make sense? 
We look at people differently, just like how these people looked at Zacchaeus differently. Why is Jesus going to spend time at his house? He's a sinner. He's been cheating all of us, and Jesus went there. But there's a reason why Jesus went there. In one of the verses, it says that Jesus looked up. And that word look means anablepo. And what that means is Jesus was able to discern his heart. So here is Zacchaeus looking for the Savior, but really the Savior was looking for him. And that's what God is doing. Even though we are sinners, even though we have committed the worst of the worst sin, God still looks at the condition of man's heart. He still knows on the outside, it may look bad, but on the inside, they may be crying out to God. And so sometimes you may have family members that you feel, oh, this person will never come to the Lord because you're judging from an outward appearance, but you don't understand what God is doing in their heart. God is already, already working. They're already seeking. They're already looking for hope because it says here that Zacchaeus was looking to his riches as a functional savior. It's a temporary savior. His riches cannot fill him. He was looking to other things, cheating the people, other things to fill his heart. What he was really looking for is salvation. And the greatest gift that can ever come to your household is salvation. Amen? Because there are people out here in your family, in your workplace, around where you are that are looking for hope. They are looking for that peace. They are looking for the answer. And the answer is found in Christ. So we have to spend time with God so that we will see people the way he sees them. And I know it's hard to not look at what they're doing on the outside, but truly when you start spending time with God, he will help you see what's going on inside of their heart and how desperately they need him. And I believe Jesus went straight to Zacchaeus because he wanted to show, I will go to the one that nobody wants. I'll go, to, I'll go to the worst of sinners because he came to seek and save the lost. That's what he came for. We're, all the, we're the 99. He's out, Jesus is out looking for that one sheep. And we, we should too. Amen? And here's the thing, verse 8. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions. If I have cheated anybody of anything, I will pay back four times more. That was the moment he repented. One encounter with God is going to cause people to turn. When we step out and we share our faith, when we share the gospel with someone, we trust that the Holy Spirit is already moving. It will cause them to repent because God is doing it, not me, not you. Amen? I'm not doing it. God is doing it. But our job is to open our mouth and say it. Step out in faith. Even if you get rejected, it's okay. There are so many other people in your life that need to hear God's truth, right? So here's something that we need to understand. Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus, but Jesus was seeking him, and he called him by name. He called him Zacchaeus. He knew his name, and God knows your name, and God knows the people that are around you, and he wants to use you. Spending time with God will give us boldness to share our faith, and it gives us his eyes to see people the way he sees them. And you know where it all starts as well? It starts with discipleship. It starts when we meet up with people. Discipleship starts even before that person gives their life to the Lord. Discipleship starts when you're just sharing with them, even a testimony. Another reason why people do not share their faith. Next slide, please. 
Yep, next one. Is they don't value eternity. A lot of the reasons people will shrink back and not say anything is because they do not understand the consequences of sin. Sin has devastated all men and women. It has left us ruined and lost to our creative purpose. And in Luke chapter 18, it says that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to restore the lost fellowship, people who are lost to hope, lost to heaven, lost to his glory, and cut off from his promise. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be cut off from God's promise, and I don't want to be cut out of heaven. And many times, we, people will not share their faith because they don't value eternity. The thing with being, when I'm talking about lost, I'm talking about before I had a relationship with God, I was broken. I wasn't worshiping him. I wasn't a follower of him. And if I had died that day, because I'm not following Christ, the wages of sin is death. It's not what I'm saying. It's what the Bible says. And it's a hard truth to swallow. And many times we don't like hearing that. But like I said, if we don't spend time with God, we will not know who he is. Because apart from him being loving, a loving father, he is also a righteous judge. And see, God's heart is so that people will not be eternally lost forever. Right now, there are family members that you have that are lost. There are people in your lives, people you see every day, they are lost. And we finished campus on Friday in the city. We look after AUT and Auckland Uni in the city. Linda and I had finished our work day, and I went to my car, and I uh, got in it, and I just uh, was about to go home, but I had to come out onto Princess Street, sorry, Simon Street. I got out onto Simon Street, and I had to stop at the traffic light because the crossing was happening. And there was about at least 60 to 80 students crossing right before me. I was the front car watching all of them. And because I had been praying for this message, God showed me all of them were crossing, and here I was listening to the Holy Spirit. Not everyone that's crossing there is going to be with me. You need to do something while you're here on campus. Do you understand, Fee? Here I am, waiting to turn right. And they're just all crossing with their books, holding their bags. But one day, we will all stand before the Most High God. And because people do not value eternity, they won't share it. But the purpose of why Jesus came is to restore that so that we will come into that relationship with him, so that we could have eternal life with him. Amen? When you understand eternity, it will change the way you see everything, and it will get you out of your comfort zone. One of the main things that will keep you from making disciples is when you want to stay in your comfort zone. You want to stay comfortable. You like how everything is in your life. But you have to get out of that, and then you will see God impact many people through your obedience. Nations are waiting for your obedience. The person sitting next to you in that next computer, in the next cubicle, you're probably the answer to their prayer. Stop praying, God, use me, use me. They're right there next to you. You've got to value eternity. Can I please have the next slide? Thank you. In Hebrews chapter 9, 
verse 27, it says, and just, as it, and just as it is appointed to man to die once, and after that comes judgment. What we do here on earth will impact how we live in the next life. The Bible teaches us to store up treasures in heaven rather than treasures here on earth. And church, we need to remember that this life is temporary. Our lifespan here is very short. You're lucky if you reach 70 or 80. But in the last month or in the last couple of months, I've been hearing people have been passing away at the age of 30 and 40. And that is a very short lifespan. And the real question is, is where will you spend eternity when you die? That is the most important thing. And when we value eternity, we will value spreading the gospel. We will understand why this is God's heartbeat. Because his heart cries when we don't see people come into eternity in the kingdom of God. So my challenge and my, and my encouragement to you is that Christ came to call sinners to repentance. And he has given us the message of reconciliation. He has allowed us to be his partner to be able to bring this to fruition. We have an awesome opportunity to, to make a difference here while we're here at Southside. I've been doing this for, t I've been in ministry for now, this is going on to 11 years. I remember the first time when I came and Pastor Ken prophesied over me and he said, thousands of young people will listen to you and they will come into the kingdom of God. Thousands of young people when I was 19. And now, 11 years later, I have seen God move in those thousands of young people wherever I've gone. It doesn't matter. But I've seen what God can do when you say, yes, I will obey. Yes, I will open my mouth. Yes, I will be willing to be rejected. Yes, I will get out of my comfort zone. Yes, I will pray. Yes, I will spend time with God. Yes, I'll make it to discipleship. Yes, I'll do discipleship. I will spend time. I will make time to teach somebody else how to come into God, God's kingdom. Does that make sense? And so we want to catch God's heartbeat and what he wants because this is a waste of time if we're just coming here to play church and then go back and your life has not changed. What a waste of time. Honestly, I wouldn't be here if it, if it was like this. But God has given me an assignment. God is calling you. God is giving you an assignment. What is the mission? The mission is we've got to obey and we've got to make disciples. We've got to get out of our comfort zone. We've got to stop being late to church. We've got to get out of the, the flesh. I'm talking about the flesh. You've got to get out of it. I want to see more nationalities in here. I want to see these rows filled. It's not, an, it's, not, it's, not a good, it's not an excuse for you just to say, oh, I'm busy. It's not. The truth of the matter is if you value eternity, if you spend time with God, you will have his heart. You will understand why his heart breaks. I have people in my own family that I cry for all the time. Thank you, Liti. I, I have people in my own family that I'm crying for constantly because I know what's going to happen, you know, and I know the truth, and I can't keep the truth to myself. I can't. You, yes, you'll be rejected, but Christ was rejected for that too. But you've got to carry your cross, and you've got to do it. This is something important to the Lord. It's not something simple. And Southside is not a church where we just come here to sit nicely. We're here to see lives changed. We are here to make disciples. Many of you sitting in here, you carry that testimony. You know what happened to you before you got saved and how God answered that prayer for you and how you're now not broken. Now you're free. Your family members and your friends and your colleagues are waiting for that too. Amen? 
just before I finish, next slide please. Just before I finish, I know that our nation has been going through a very difficult time with the incidents that happened in Christchurch. And that's around the, the next week, the incident happened on Friday, the next week we had to go back on campus. We had to cancel our campus service that week because there were so many things happening on the university. That week, I, called, I texted all the girls and I said, hey, we're going to have life group discipleship. Make sure you're there. And all of them said, we want to see you. We want to see you. Remember, these are 19-year-olds. One of them sitting here too. But we have young people there. And when I went to discipleship group, because some of them are not walking with God. They're just attending. When I went to discipleship group and I said, how are you guys doing? Is everybody okay here? And each of those girls teared up in their eyes and they all said, what happened down there caused me to think about my own life. It caused me to think what's going to happen to me when I face eternity. And that was the moment for me to shoot that gospel right in there. And I'm telling you now, if you miss opportunities like that, we'll miss more people. The word is in you. It is in your heart. It is there. God will help you. The Holy Spirit will help you. It is not a lot to ask to spend one hour of your time throughout the whole week to disciple someone and to speak life over someone, to help someone. I wouldn't be here today if all those women poured into me. I thank God for every single one of them to, that took out the time of their busy schedule, drove all the way to see me, picked me up all these years that helped me, changed me, developed me to become more like Christ. And that's what God is asking us to do. So as I close, what is the mission? Ladies and gentlemen, the mission is to go and make disciples. Our mission is to spread the gospel. This must be a delight and not a chore. We must come to God and say, God, change my heart so that I desire to spend time with you and kill the flesh. May I desire you and not desire the things of this world because those treasures will perish. And what lasts long and what lasts more is treasures up in heaven. So God, give me a heart that will not desire the things of this world, but that will desire the things of you. Give me that heart. Help me, God, to kill my flesh. Help me, Lord, to love you more so that I can say something to somebody and bring them into your kingdom. Amen? Discipleship, it's important. We must bear his image. And when someone is passionate for Jesus, it shows. It's not about volume. It's about action in how they do things. So ladies and gentlemen, can I please ask that you stand as I close in prayer. Please stand with me.